Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics we'll explore, remember that the areas you're moving into are always most important. Always prepare for what you're about to do and always know what's happening while you're doing it. That's how you move to protect others and yourself. Now from headquarters, here's our host, Jason Francis. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Rail. What do we got going on today, Travis? Today we're going to be listening to the recording from October 4th when Road Dog Radio was here. Sounds like a good time. I didn't get to hear it the first time, so I'm looking forward to it. You did see it happening, though, I know. I saw it happening, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I was busy on the phones. (laughs) Well, let's get into it. Right on. Here we go. Welcome to Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, Casey Phillips. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome into Road Dog Live. Casey Phillips with you. Happy to be coming to you live for those middle miles of your day. It's a big 10-4, October the 4th. Y'all buckle up, hammer down. We're going to have a very special day planned for you on the show. Today, I am live from Marshfield, Wisconsin, God's country. And we're at the home of Rail Transport. We're celebrating you, the hardworking truckers in North America, with some good news from one of our value partners at Road Dog Trucking Radio. And we're going to get right out of the blocks. I'm joined by Tim Norland. He's the vice president of driver employment. Tim, we made it, brother. Finally. Hey, happy to have you here, man. It's been a while coming. We have been talking about it for years. We have. So we have. it's great to come up here and uh, check your digs out because you're always all over the country. You come down to Nashville and see us. Yeah. We do phone interviews a lot, but it's really cool to see where you come from, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice for you to, to come here to, I guess, the, the nerve center of rail transport and see our hardworking folks uh, behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be talking to a lot of those guys today and girls. Right. Um, but I was really impressed just driving up on the facility you got a lot of space uh, there's a lot of movement going around you got trucks and trailers you got maintenance fabrication driver training dispatch and management it's it's an amazing operation so kudos to you guys and to rick for what he's built here yeah yeah really fantastic and our your uh, renovated corporate office building here is uh, really something to be proud of we love it we absolutely love it and uh, you know one thing i didn't share with you is we put uh, noise canceling devices in this building so with all these people out here you don't hear much noise it is pretty a, quiet there's yeah. a noise canceling it's kind of like a giant bose machine it huh. cancels out all that ambient noise i wonder how that works because it now that you say it i recognize it but it does seem pretty quiet out there and well, there's a lot of people what is it 80 to 100 people sitting out there right now no, about 120 yeah. about 120 and yeah. they're all talking they're working they're having conferences but it's really eerily quiet i yeah, guess isn't it yeah so you'll have to ask our uh, <laughs> our chief technology that, officer about that yeah. yeah how does that noise canceling work well for anybody who doesn't know um, what rails facilities look like it's a it's a very large room as you mentioned tim it just went through a renovation mm-hmm. um, it's a open concept with uh, it's cubicle world right right, right. Um, all the cubicles have red cloth which really pushes that brand identity for rail since your colors are red gray and white yeah 
Yep. Um, and, and it's a beautiful space and a lot of people busy. Uh, I see that your load board is prominently displayed with all the activity going on. So you guys are moving freight. Absolutely. Uh, you're taking care of your drivers. Uh, you got a lot of people training. So it's just a it's a really um, it's an energetic place. There's a lot of energy here. Yes, is, is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Never a never a dull moment here. For sure. Well, let me let me just uh, bring you in on something that happened last week because um, I let everybody know I'm coming to Marshfield, Wisconsin. We're going to be doing the show from rail, mm-hmm. and there were some people that called in and they said, "Hey, Wednesday's supposed to be the game day." And the first Wednesday of the month on Road Dog Live, we do a game day Mm -hmm. every week. And so Mm -hmm. since we're not going to be able to do that, I wanted to start our time together today by a a little trivia for you. Are you okay with that if if I ask you a trivia question? Sure. Okay. Now, the trivia question for you is going to be from the category of obscure Wisconsin trivia. Okay. I'm going to make it multiple choice. All right. Okay. Here's your question. And this is for uh, a pad of rail paper. If you get it right, you get a pad of rail paper. (laughs) All right. All right. Minnesota's official motto is the land of 10,000 lakes. However, Wisconsin, not one to brag, has more lakes. How many lakes are in Wisconsin from their DNR, Department of National Resources? Is it 15,500 lakes, 16,600 lakes, or 17,700 lakes? I believe it's 17,700 lakes. You do not win. That Dang. is That is a big... It's 16,600 lakes. Okay. okay. More lakes than Minnesota, man. Well, it depends on whether it's raining or not. You know, there's some <laughs> pop-up lakes. <laughs> that is right. That is but right. But yeah, I knew Wisconsin had more lakes than Minnesota. Yeah, but they yeah. don't tout it. What is Wisconsin the home... I guess it's the home of cheese, yeah? Yeah, the dairy state. Right? Yeah. Okay. And we're going to go see a dairy here in a little bit. We are after the show. We're we're taking you, we're taking you to the cheese store. Okay, the famed cheese store that we've always talked about. Yes. Well, you brought me uh, a a bunch of cheese the last time you came down, and my wife and I love cheese curds, mm-hmm. and we gobbled them up. But uh, she made the comment to me when she found out I was coming here: make sure you get cheese. So yeah, absolutely. You will have cheese. Okay. I'll have cheese until I get to the airport because the way I ha- go with TSA, they're probably going to confiscate my cheese, man. Just a, just a little word of advice. When you, you when you get to the pre-check line to go through TSA, they're yeah. going to ask you, do you have any food? And you're going to raise your hand and you're going to say, yes, I have this cooler full of cheese. Okay. And they will open it and they'll look at each variety and they'll say, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> they're, they're really good here about that. And then they'll put it back in your cooler okay. and you'll be good to go. All right. Well, I'm going to make it home to Nashville with cheese today. There you go. If nothing else, that'll be a win. But what we do have is a lot of good information to talk about. Uh, Winning and rail, I think, are synonymous. And so let's get into that conversation because I know that you have a lot that you want to talk about. Uh, As the VP of driver employment, you have a very important job to do, and that's to keep all these red trucks running. That's right. So uh, talk a little bit uh, to get things started as to how it's looking in your position. Uh, How's the recruitment numbers going? Uh, What's happening here at rail? Mm -hmm. Uh, Recruiting is going very well. Um, We have had to scale back a little bit where we're hiring from simply because of freight volumes in certain markets. We're not going to hire drivers just to hire drivers if we don't have freight for them to move. Sure. And, you know, uh, it's the the market conditions have been pretty tough out there for truckers here lately. So uh, we're, we're being real smart about it. Where we have the freight volumes, we're adding drivers, and where we don't, we're just maintaining status quo with with the the truck count in those areas so gotcha. um yeah so every every week is a is a new adventure um because <laughs> you know, we're changing things up rapidly yeah. but 
that's way better than just going great guns and hiring drivers just to hire drivers. That makes no sense. That that brings everybody's miles down. It causes drivers to sit and have a lot of dwell time, and we don't want that. We want to keep those drivers moving, and our operations team has worked really hard at keeping our drivers moving. Amen. Well, the last thing that you want to do is uh, bring somebody in and then have to turn them after six or nine months, and maybe even they got their training from rail. And so right. you invest a lot of dollars in that, and it does cost a lot of money to turn a driver. It does. Uh, Absolutely So does. when you see turnover numbers like what we typically see in trucking, uh, over 100%, that's a huge expense category for any uh, trucking outfit. So I think that you guys uh, do need to make sure you're planning well to not have any excessive turnover because you're hiring too quickly. Right. But that right. is that's really the challenge of any trucking operation, especially uh, when you're a growing fleet, is not growing too fast, not putting on too much capacity when you don't have the the carriers, um, excuse me, the freight to support it. Right. So uh, yeah, exactly. very, very delicate, I guess, tightrope that you guys walk. Yeah. And, you know, something we we're very proud of the fact that uh, our turnover is well below the national average. Now, it's up for us right now. We don't like that. Everybody's is. Yeah, everybody's is. But uh, and we don't like that. But, uh, you know, we're well, like I said, we're well below what other carriers are experiencing right now. And I think that in large part, speaks to how we've been managing the freight and the drivers to keep them moving and, and, and changing our strategy, you know, in different markets based on, on the freight. Because like I said, you got to keep the drivers moving You keep the drivers moving and happy. Uh, everybody's happy. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that is present here in the uh, rail terminal is uh, a board that has all your live pickups and deliveries, has all of the states uh, in the U.S. that have opportunities. And I was really amazed to see how widespread your operations go all the way from Colorado, Arizona, up into New England. Yeah. Um, is there any particular area right now that you're in need of capacity? You know, it, it, our bread and butter has always been, in fact, we call it our primary commercial zone, and that's, that's basically the area from Minnesota down through Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, out through Ohio, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, the I-70, I-80 corridors. Those okay. have always been solid for us, and uh, um, those continue to be solid for us uh, for freight. Some of the other areas that have kind of weakened here a little bit, the south-central part of the, the country, um, Texas has been a little bit of a challenge lately. It's coming back now. Okay. Thank goodness. Um, the southeast is actually starting to come back for us a bit, and we've added some driver capacity there because freight has started to come back. So that's yeah. good. And they might get to come through Nashville. Yeah. If they wanted to route that way. I guess going down to Texas, you wouldn't go through Nashville. No, but, you know, if you're coming from uh, if you're coming from Marshfield and you're heading to Atlanta, you're going through Nashville. That's right. Yeah. You come see us. Yep, absolutely. Right. Bring cheese. Bring cheese. There you go. We <laughs> can do that. Tim Portland is hanging out with us. He's the vice president of driver employment. We have got to take a quick time out. You are listening to Road Dog Live live. We are from Marshfield, Wisconsin, and we're celebrating rail transportation. If you guys want to check them out, go to rail.jobs. That could be R-O-E. E-H-L.jobs or R-A-I-L.jobs. See how well you train me? You, oh, you're doing well. I you're know. doing very good. I might need a job here in a few years. We so. can help you out. I might come calling. Yeah. All right. I'm getting the stink eye from my <laughs> boss. Anyway, hey, we got to go. Road Dog Live is live Wednesday, 10-4 from Marshfield, Wisconsin. I'm KC. We'll be back on Road Dog Live. All right, guys. In this next segment, KC will be talking to Eric Wilson from our refrigerated group. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, Casey Phillips. Yes, indeedy, we are back. Welcome back into Road Dog Live on this Wednesday, 10-4. We're talking a little bit about rail transportation. Broadcasting live from Marshfield, Wisconsin, the heart of America and the heart of rail transportation. So joining me now is Eric Wilson. He's the Director of Refrigerated and Dedicated Operations. Eric, great to have you, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so we're starting everybody off with a trivia question today. Uh, are you from Wisconsin? I am. Did Tim get his right, though? No. <laughs> we're, we're over so far. We've only had one question. We're over one. Maybe we can get on a winning trend here. Okay, here's your question. And if you get it right, you get a rail scratch pad. All right. Madison wasn't always the capital of Wisconsin. What was the original capital of Wisconsin? Multiple choice? Uh, I'll give you a multiple choice. Was it A, Wausau, B, <laughs> Belmont, or C, both A and B? <laughs> I'll go with Belmont. Hey, you got it right. Here is your pad of paper. See, <laughs> Tim, you just got to ask for that's, some help. That's right. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for the multiple choice. I don't have the, the choices in front of me. Anyway, yeah. uh, you are the first winner of the show today. Yeah. Cheated a little bit. But that's okay. Yeah. It's all good. Well, if you asked me if I could use it in a sentence, you know, like they do in the spelling bees, I would have been shocked. <laughs> Can't use it in a sense. Anyway, yeah. you are the director of refrigerated and de dedicated operations. So uh, let's get into that a little bit. I, I told you a story about uh, the refrigerated trailer in my neighborhood that caught fire and it was a load full of milk. Uh, you think about the number of dollars that exist in one trailer of refrigerated freight. So it's a very important and I think oft overlooked uh, segment of our industry. Um, refrigerated transport is so very important. So talk a little bit about uh, rails present in the refrigerated uh, segment of the industry. Sure. You know, I, I think you hit on a couple things that are really important. I don't think people really do realize how many goods are moved in a refrigerated trailer. Yeah. There's very few things that you, you know, make make dinner with, you know, have lunch with at, at your house that probably did not go on a refrigerated trailer and stay in temp controlled from there. You know, our footprint, uh, you know, we obviously, we're based right out here in Wisconsin, so a lot of our footprint is in the dairy industry and sure. stuff here in Wisconsin. We obviously have other things we do. Uh, we do a lot going to the East Coast, but we, we get all over the country. So I think as you go, um, we're looking for good drivers that are, you know, capable of doing that and moving those goods across the nation. With regard to uh, the refrigerated driver, uh, are there any particular skills that a driver has to possess, uh, or is that something that you train them up on here? Um, I, you know, I don't think there's anything particular when they come. We do train them up on it. Uh, I think the big thing, and obviously people who know anything about refrigerated trailers, is they're just a, another set of things that they need to be cognizant of and be aware of making sure that the temperature stays in a decent place with uh, with that box and what's going on back there. What people don't realize is that we're monitoring it too. We, you know, our systems oh, really? allow okay. us to monitor right here from the office. Huh. And so I can tell if there's an issue with a trailer majority of the time before a driver may even know. So we can help them with that. There are things loading and unloading though they need to be aware of. We need to make sure we have stuff set at the right temps as we go. And um, it, to really alleviate claims, we you know we don't want to claim, and you know the food industry right now, you 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 can't be too careful with that stuff. Got you. So you're actually monitoring every refrigerated trailer. It must be hard to sleep at night. 
Uh, I wouldn't say it's hard to sleep at night, but it, it actually gives you a little bit of peace of mind that there's some fail safes. It's not just if a driver has an issue or something like that. It's not, are they going to call me? Um, our drivers do a great job doing that, but okay. we can help them and see some of the issues. And, you know, very advanced. If you hold a cell phone in your hand and think about things you can do from there, sure. we can see what's going on with those those reefer units um, and see where the issues are, where the problem is, if we have a temp problem, things like that. Okay, so let's uh, get into a hypothetical. Uh, I, I'm interested, say there is an alert that you get whenever the uh, refrigerated load is running a little too hot. Mm -hmm. You call the driver, uh, hopefully you can get uh, hold of the driver and they have to come up with some contingency what does that contingency look like you know we've got a whole support team here though we've got we're here 24 7 we've got a, a maintenance and road support who's awesome i've got a night support team that works here as well and as that driver has a problem we're going to help walk them through okay here's the problem here's what we think we need to do here's where i need you to go um what options do we have so there it, it depends on the issue but we're going to troubleshoot that and get them to the best location and you know make sure that that gets taken care of in a, in a timely manner. Gotcha. So I, I guess that takes a network of maintenance uh, facilities around. Yes, absolutely. And now, uh, you're also in charge of dedicated operation. Is that by design because a lot of your refrigerated is actually dedicated? No, I don't actually think there's a, a tie there. I think it worked more out just for growing, coming up in the business and understanding both, and it's just a fit. You know, we've got our van division, and uh, I've got an opposite of me by the name of Eric Barber. Um, a lot of people say there's too many Eric's here in the company, <laughs> but uh, he oversees our, our van division, which is just a, a slightly bigger, and then the, the refrigerated and dedicated kind of fit together, um, kind of work through both of those. I don't know that there's a tie-in. There's a little bit, but I don't know that it refrigerated is – we don't do more refrigerated dedicated than we do van. It's just a matter of kind of what we do business with. Gotcha. I guess the Eric's would be because of all the Viking heritage uh, from up in this part <laughs> of the world, right? I would – I don't think the other Eric has any Viking heritage. Oh, in no. Him. no, no, no. He's, All from, right. he's from West Virginia. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> Stump. Yeah. yeah he, he probably would say a yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I'm very interested in uh, the dedicated as opposed to uh, the private fleet. Sure. For uh, a lot of us that look from the outside in at trucking, sure. private fleet is uh, typically a low turnover, a very highly sought after job. And I've, I've often compared dedicated fleet to to a, a common carrier's private fleet, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're really, that's a great comparison. I think that that is true. I mean, you've got a customer that's really, they're, they're paying for capacity. Yeah. They want that capacity. They want to know it's there, and they, we want to be able to deliver flawless service for them. Um, and I think that that's what they're paying for. They don't want to say, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a truck tomorrow. They know they've got a certain amount of capacity, and, and that's that's what's going on there. Do you find a lot of rail drivers are really interested in talking to you about uh, coming on to the dedicated fleet? And if so, um, what is the timeline? How, how long do they have to serve in the company to get there? You know, as, as we go, yes. I mean, I mean, Tim's sitting over here. I mean, Tim's recruiting. When we can say you're going to do this and you're, you're going to the same customers over and over again and you're working for this, that's something that drivers are looking for. So absolutely. I don't know that we have a specific timeline. I think it really depends on which care, which company we're working with that we're you know, hired to, to work for and what are the expectations. And so I think it'll, it really depends on the account that we're working with on what we determine on there. I, don't, I, I will say this. I, we're, very rarely are we going to bring in a new student and automatically go into dedicated. Um, that does happen in certain cases if we have a need, but most of the time, I would say six months is probably a fairly good, you know, standard what we look at as far as, hey, you've been with the company for six months, um, let's look at some dedicated opportunities. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I guess that 
as private fleet goes with dedicated, you're seeing a little bit of the same turnover number there uh, where people get into a dedicated account and they really like it, or they know pretty soon they don't like it and they'll exit, but the turnover uh, pretty good in your dedicated fleet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, you talked about it, same thing. It's They're sought-after jobs, so turnover's better. You know, the one thing I would say about rail that's awesome about that is we have all of it. So we're able to do both mm-hmm. as we yeah. go. You're able to do the dedicated. Something doesn't work. You still got the system over here. We can flip you and go go back and forth as need be. So we'll find what fits right for the driver and their needs as well as us. Gotcha. And that was going to be another question. Uh, One of the things dedicated uh, represents to me, just as an outsider, is consistency. So I've been in jobs where I had a very inconsistent pay working on commission, and you don't know what the next month is going to look like. And in trucking, driving based on miles, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're in that same situation. So a dedicated would provide, I would guess, more consistency. And and you might be able to address that, Tim. Is the settlement amount typically more consistent in dedicated? Absolutely. Yeah, because those dedicated fleets are right-sized for the customer's capacity needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they will flex from time to time. You know, there's a busy season for home improvement. Uh, Usually when you hit spring, all of a sudden there's a big surge and we'll have to add a few extra drivers. But that core group of drivers is always there, you know, uh, running. So, um, yeah, definitely more consistency. Turnover is probably about thirty points lower than uh, than our other fleets. Wow! So okay. yeah, pretty uh, pretty substantial. I was taking a uh, tour of the facility and I saw the trust trucks that you guys have. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, Rail partners with a trust manufacturing company and they design their trucks. Uh, for them, and they service those trucks. So that would be a dedicated opportunity, uh, come to drive, deliver trusses to building sites and that type of uh, situation. Yeah, you hit it spot on. I mean, we, so you, you, you explained it very well, and um, it's a little bit of a specialty. The cranes and, uh, and yeah. the trusses are It's an are not, awesome piece of equipment, are, let me are, tell you. Yeah, they're not easy to use, and they're going into job sites. But um, I think it's very fulfilling for the guys that do it, and it's specialty. And with that customer and stuff, they're always busy. Um, it's a year-round sure. business, and so they're looking for people who can do that job. And um, to your point, it's very consistent as far as you know pay and what they're doing on a weekly basis, which is very helpful. Gotcha. Well, it's great meeting you, Eric. Appreciate it. I appreciate the time. Yeah, always good to meet a Viking. Eric Wilson, Director of Refrigerated and Dedicated Operations here at Rail. we got to take a quick time out. When we come back, right back into it, and we're going to be talking with a lot of great folks here as we go through it. This is Road Dog Live on Sirius XM 146. I'm KC on Road Dog Live, live from Marshfield, Wisconsin, at Rail Transportation Incorporated. We will be right back. All right, in this next segment, KC is going to be speaking with our Vice President of Technology, John Poppy, about the technology that we use here at rail and out in the vehicles and stuff. You're listening to Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, Casey Phillips. We are back. Welcome back into Road Dog Live. I'm Casey coming to you from Marshfield, Wisconsin, the home offices of rail transportation. And we are hanging out now with John Poppy. He's the chief technology officer. John, welcome in. Yeah, thanks, Casey. And Tim is going to be hanging out with us as well, vice yeah, president lucky of me. driver employment. It, you are lucky. I man. am lucky. I You're am. the only one that hasn't gotten the trivia question right, though, dude. I know. And now it's John's turn. <laughs> Well, John, we've been chatting off air, uh, and I know you're not from Wisconsin, but I'm asking everybody a Wisconsin trivia question. He is from Wisconsin. Oh, you are from? 
Oh, now he just doubled down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, now, now he's... Yeah. yeah. Now it's on like Donkey Kong. All right, I'm going to ask you a quick question. And I don't have multiple choice. Okay. All right, so don't even ask, because I got stumped last time by that. All right. The oldest city in Wisconsin isn't Madison or Milwaukee. Can you tell me what the oldest city in Wisconsin is? I'm going to go with Manitowoc. Ooh. You would be incorrect. It is not Manitowoc. Where where is Manitowoc though? It is on the east side, on right by Lake Michigan there. So okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, another one of those city names that I probably couldn't announce or pronounce if you hadn't said it first. Uh, the oldest city actually is Green Bay. Really? It, yes. Based on this, sixteen hundred and thirty-four is when Green Bay was. Uh, Consolidated or incorporated, I guess. Well, I might have to fact check that one. I don't know why Green Bay would be the be a. Unless I'm sure Packer fans are given the reason. <laughs> yeah, that, but, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, we don't have Snopes here. Yeah. Sorry, no Snopes at Rail. <laughs> anyway, we're talking a little bit about Rail today, and John Poppy is with us. So, Chief Technology Officer, I, I know that there's a lot that uh, is technological about trucking today. We talked to a lot of people from trucking in the heyday, mm-hmm. back before the electronics and trucks. Uh, but it's not just about in-truck. It's about operations. It's about supply chain. So you got a probably a pretty big hat rack in your office, right? Yeah. You know, Casey, I, I've been here for almost 11 years. And when I joined Rail, I had come from manufacturing and from medical. Um, and I, and I kind of thought, gosh, how hard can trucking be, right? And I, I probably really uh, underestimated the role that technology plays in trucking. And so it's been a really fantastic experience for me just seeing how not only the industry, but rail specifically, how we just really embrace technology to help us be a better carrier. That's fantastic. And I know uh, we talked about you have a military background as well. Uh, number one, I want to say thank you for serving. Oh. And um, talk a little bit about your military background uh, and, and how that prepared you for this position. I think just, just you know, in my role in the military, we did a lot of underwater robotics. So that was my specialty. Navy. In the Navy. Yeah. And uh, and and I think just that was really cutting edge things. Um, and, and, the, and they do it well, right? So I had a really good, solid grounding from a technology perspective and that kind of just really got my passion going around the technology space so it was really a good launching point for me in my career and how long have you been in the trucking industry now uh almost 11 years okay 11 years and uh, what type of technological changes have you been experiencing during that time you know i think one of the biggest i'll come back i'll come to ai because i'm I don't know if I'm going was, there. Oh, I yeah. figured you might I'm be going, going there. there. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's just, you know, the the amount of data and the speed of data is uh, probably the best way to describe it. So, you know, the, the data we get off of, you know, of our trucks, the data that we get from our customers, um, just the availability of data mm. um, in this industry is so intense. And, and taking that information and using it effectively to help service our, serve our drivers better, serve our customers better. I mean, that, is, that, is, that, that change has just happened so quickly over the last 10 years. So I was just talking with Eric Wilson about the refrigerated, and he was uh, talking about how the trailers are reporting to him what the ambient temps in the trailers are. Um, and so that is a very important data point, obviously, because mm-hmm. if you have something that's out of uh, range, you're going to lose a load, and that's big money. Oh, 
what type of data are you getting from the trucks? We know a little bit about the trailers, but what are you getting from the trucks? Well, and I know you've got uh, Chris Anderson from Maintenance coming up next, so I'll do a plug for him because okay. they use uh, they do use the da- a lot of the data right to help them understand if the truck might be having an issue, and and Chris can expand on that. Okay, but we get all kinds of data from you know speed data to how how well the truck is performing to environmental things going on in the truck, and and we try and just you know as well as safety things, right? So safety systems are on the truck, so we can understand. You know, if, if there's a safety situation or something, we need to reach out to, dri- to the driver for to make sure that they're safe and taken care of. So, I mean, and I'm just kind of scratching the surface there, you know, but we pull a ton of data off the trucks just to help us understand, you know, what's going on and, you know, what we can do to help that driver be successful. Uh, we, we talk a lot about collision mitigation technologies mm-hmm. in trucks. Uh, you, you see that as automobiles go, so goes heavy-duty trucks. And the fear of, of a lot of the listeners and myself personally is that people do become over-reliant on technology because you give them an inch and they want to take a mile. You see that there are manufacturers these days already marketing autonomous vehicles that are not just driver assist, but they are actually doing the driving for you. Mm-hmm. In your role, uh, do you deal with any of that, maybe working with other departments to make sure that drivers understand that, hey, collision mitigation technologies are there just to assist? Uh, they're not to take over any of your skills. You know, that really that really falls outside of my responsibility. I'm certainly part of those conversations, but really that's more in our training and our maintenance okay. teams that focus okay. on that. Gotcha. All right. Well, go ahead. One thing that John's team has really been instrumental in doing is creating an app for our drivers that lets them stay in Mm. touch, not just in the cab, but wherever they're at. And, uh, you know, they put a lot of work into it. They used a a particular platform, but then they built in and get... Uh, workday resources, news. They can scan their paperwork in, um, look at their logs. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah, accidents. They're paying performance. They can look back at their paychecks and stuff. So I, I got to I gotta give props to John and his team that uh, the MyRail app is awesome. In fact, I have it on my phone. Nice. So, and I'm not a driver. It's pulled up so. to the game screen, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you put games in the app? Come on, man. No games in the app. No, oh, no games. dude. But, yeah. uh, I mean, we, you know, I think, I think those are pretty common. I mean, we... We've had our mobile app for probably nine and a half years now, and it's been the nice thing with that is those types of things get better and better year after year, right? And uh-huh. so you've got nine years of um, improvements and enhancements, so it really is a nice tool for the drivers. Got you. So nine years in on the app, that means that was one of your first projects when you almost, came on board. Yeah, almost. yeah, awesome. Are you proud of it? Yeah, very much so. And, and honestly, we were one of the first carriers to really have a full-featured app like that. So Okay. And are, are there changes? Do you constantly monitor what needs to happen with the app if there's deficiencies or things that are working really well? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, a lot of the features in our app came from driver recommendations. Oh, so nice. we have a really great feedback loop and a very active driver group out there who drop, you know, they consistently drop in, hey, can you do this or can you do that? And if it's something we can do, um, so a lot of the features that we have recently put in there have all come from drivers. Okay, very good. Nice that you're listening. Because yeah. Norland never listens to me, so <laughs> I'm glad that you listen. John Poppy is hanging out with this CTO here at Rail. Uh, okay, so we got to talk about the AI thing. <clears throat> so I am kind of ignorant about what AI is going to be. You, obviously, with all your training and background, know what it's going to be. So what is AI going to do for trucking? I think the the basic answer to that question today is I think it's going to help us make better decisions. 
And I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, the it's going to evolve so quickly. I can't go to a single technology conference without hearing that word a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And everybody that gets up on stage and everybody that talks about, you know, technology will, will talk specifically about AI. So it definitely is just everywhere right now. And there's lots of hype about it. But essentially, I think it's going to help us make better decisions as as a industry, right? Um, because it can it can it can see so many of the different patterns that are out there, and it can look at historical performances and results. It can really say, "Hey, this is the best decision in this situation," right? And today we have some technologies that do that, but I think that's one of the areas is just better decision making. Okay. Um, so it's an analytics tool basically you know there's a lot of analytics there's a lot of data science that's into it um but you know the big the big reason why and ai has been probably out there for for quite a few years but the thing that really made it hit the stage today or this year is the fact that they layered this large language model on top so it can understand human right okay Um, understand our language so people can ask it questions and it can Ah, answer back okay so that language model and that ability is really what brought AI to the forefront and everybody's talking about it. But the technology that underlays that has been around for a lot longer. Right. Right. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, uh, I was on a plane to get here and the lady next to me was on the phone with somebody talking about how she's in the AI uh, realm. And I was like, I still don't know what AI, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know it's artificial intelligence, but I don't know what makes it happen or what it's even used for. So it's such a a buzzword, such a buzzword right now. Yeah. yeah, It's going to be around. I would say um, this is probably going to be the most disruptive technology that I'm going to ever deal with in my career here. Right. Um, Because it's just, it's going to change so many things, and I think every company is trying to figure out how do I, how do I use this um, to be a better to be better at what we do. Gotcha. Well, uh, great meeting you, uh, and and great job on the interview, John Poppy, Chief Technology Officer. We got to take a break, but uh, we will definitely be talking to you soon. I'm KC in Nashville. No. No. Marshfield. There you go. <laughs> it's almost Nashville, <laughs> except for all the high-rise buildings. <laughs> right. You know what? Woof. Uh, Anyway, uh, we got to jump out of the way for a break. This is Road Dog Live, Wednesday Outer Route Edition live from Marshfield. And we'll be back on Sirius XM. All right. In this next section, Casey is going to be speaking with Chris Anderson from our maintenance support team. We are back. Hey, welcome back into Road Dog Live. You heard the man. We are live from Marshfield, Wisconsin, and hanging out at Rail Transportation Incorporated. Our chaperone is none other than Tim Norland. He is the Vice President of Driver Employment. And joining us now is Chris Anderson. Chris is in maintenance. He's a maintenance support manager. Great to meet you, man. Pleasure to meet you. Casey. Yeah, dude. Hey, so we were walking through the whole complex before the, the show started today, and your maintenance facility is top-notch, man. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of work to keep that much equipment uh, looking that good down, going down the road. I don't know if you feel the same way. I'm a smells guy, and when I walk in that place and smell diesel and lubricants, it just it feels like America in there. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Absolutely. We definitely got a, plenty of Americana going on in our shops. <laughs> and clean, man. I mean, Absolutely. you got clean floors. I've seen some shops in my time. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, talk about how many bays do you have that you're running right now? Oh, are you talking truck, trailer? Yeah, truck. Uh, yeah, let's talk, talk truck. Well, I guess we should 
go from the over uh, the umbrella statement. Tell me about your maintenance operation. Well, our maintenance is uh, <laughs> sp- it's spread out through our different terminals. We have seven different locations that do maintenance, and uh, they range from size. I mean, Marshfield's obviously a big complex, and you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary's another large one, uh, being a big hub. But I mean, we Gary are, Indiana, Gary Indiana, okay. correct? Yeah, and we have to again. Uh, we grow as the business grows. You know, this started out with kind of one bay, and <laughs> it just keeps evolving. And, I mean, Marshfield, we have uh, 22 bays, I think, going at all times. And, okay. Uh, again, throughout the network, there's a lot of work going on. So. Gotcha. Well, Chris, uh, you know what I forgot? We, we owe you a trivia question. Oh, Before oh, we do anything yeah. else, I, I, I hate to cut you off, but let, let's do this. All right. Since uh, right now, I think that we're one, one and, and two. One. One and one and two. You got it wrong. Eric got his right, and John got his wrong. That's so right. okay. Yeah, yeah one and two. It's a Wisconsin trivia question. Are you ready? I am ready. The Swiss cheese. It's not multiple choice. Sorry. Okay. The Swiss cheese capital of the world isn't located in Switzerland. It's here in Wisconsin. What town is known for Swiss cheese? Wow, I was going to go C. I really was. Uh, <laughs> Both <I'm>, A and B. <laughs> I'm going to say, really, Colby's the only one I know. Colby's the one I know. Or Monroe. Mon- Did you say Monroe? Monroe. You Wisconsin. got it. Oh, you get a rail scratch pad. There wow, you go, These man. are very valuable. Thank you. <laughs> I might even give you two, but I got to <laughs> save one for the next guy. All right, Monroe is the Swiss cheese capital of the world. I'm glad we know that. Yeah, oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So getting back to maintenance. Uh, 22 bays here, and uh, that's just for truck maintenance? Correct. And I did see that you got a fabrication shop, you got a body shop, you got a trailer shop. You guys are really focused on maintenance here. That's, that's obvious. So uh, when, when I think about employment with a, a company, I do know that uptime is key because when drivers are paid by the mile, they don't want to be sitting in some shop somewhere waiting on maintenance to do their thing. So I, I'm very interested in your approach to uptime and, and what happens whenever a driver needs your help. Well, I mean, that's, it's definitely my sole focus um, is that uptime piece you know, I, I really, that's my biggest kind of lever to pull to help this uh, company achieve its goals. And when I, when I think of uptime, it's, it's not a, you know, analytics that involves all these mechanical things that we're doing. It's really th- th- that driver piece and that driver sitting there. Uh, that's really kind of the difference in what we do. And I really, uh, you know, numbers-wise, we're an industry leader, and that takes a lot of work um, to do that. And it's not it's not overly complicated, really. When it comes to uptime, it's how quick are you going to react to the problem um, and understand the problem right away. So when we get calls in, we kind of we have a very um, dedicated staff that are very knowledgeable, all former mechanics and shop owners and people who've been in this business for a while who can quickly kind of ascertain, is this something that we need to uh, walk a driver through or is it something that we need to kind of coordinate a repair? And, uh, you know, doing that quickly is key and knowing what's wrong. Uh, That's why there's a big investment in our group to have those kind of technological people ready at at any given moment. Sure. I know one part of the maintenance game is parts availability. Uh, we see it all the time in the dealership network that, hey, they got the techs that can do the work. They just don't have the parts. Well, the, really, that the over-the-road is not its not built for You're right. the kind of downtime we are looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they count it by hours and days. We do it by minutes. Right. And, uh, you know, it's there's all those challenges. Like you say, parts, tech availability, those, those are all those things that we're – 
kind of seeing over the road as it grows. Um, but again, your, your only limitation is your creativity out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Now, I was uh, prefacing the show with Tim doing the walkthrough, and I asked him a trivia question. What is your inventory dollar amount that you keep here? Ooh, yeah, that's such a moving. That's such a moving part. Three million in parts. Ah, on site. I couldn't. I couldn't even give you that. I. I mean, I walk into those meetings, and that <laughs> that changes so quickly because, again, the inventory part is always going to be a challenge. Like everybody doesn't want to have. 20 million in parts laying around, sure. you know, eating up space. Uh, it's knowing what you need. And that's really where, again, it takes a lot of, you know, decision making is to go, okay, what, what is exactly what we need mm -hmm. to make this all work? And then, again, the creativity piece, when there's always something that comes up, it's, yeah. all right, how are you going to get it there? I mean, we've Ubered parts across states. Um, whatever it wow. takes, you, you really have to be willing to go and, and, find those different solutions for these drivers. Do you have any memory, Chris, of an extreme situation where rail went over and above to help a driver get moving? Oh, every day. Every day. <laughs> and just pick any day. day that ends in Y. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, <laughs> again, the way it's built out there, it's not timely. It's, we're going to order this part overnight or, you know, we're going to do these things. Um, where they lack is getting on the phone or calling other OEs. Um, you know, people... If it's Freightliner or International, it's, it, they want it to be their thing. I don't care about those things. I care about getting that driver moving. So, uh, you know, just yesterday it was, hey, you know, we can't get a charge air cooler for a truck, you know. Um, well, then we got on the phone and, all right, you know, we found one a state away. Now it's, okay, how do you move it? Well, I, I talked to the parts manager. Who, who do you know? Who, yeah. Who's got a pickup truck? Who, yeah. Who wants to make a few hundred bucks and move this thing, you know, a couple hundred miles? Right. And uh that's what it takes. Um, again, when you start thinking about like the numbers game of what it costs to sit there, um, you know, obviously there's all the very easy ones to say, okay, you know, we're losing X amount of dollars, but that driver is sitting there thinking, should I be in trucking right now? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in a shop, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. to me, that that is the biggest thing I worry about is uh, no matter how hard I work, I get to go home tonight. Uh, they don't. Right. So, it, you know, I don't want to keep them from being able to earn their living and, and be moving and, and doing what they need to do. I think that that's a sign of a good manager. Um, not to stroke you, I, I'm just saying that if you're thinking about other people first, because I don't know if there's a book called Leaders Eat Last. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but you're, you're living that Leaders Eat Last uh, type of environment. So it's, it's uh, very good to hear. I, I am uh, interested in the dealer support that you get. Uh, you mentioned internationals and Freightliners. Uh, are you on the phone with them frequently, uh, working with maintenance issues? And Absolutely. what kind of support are you getting? Absolutely. Well, I mean, a, a real big thing right now is is working with all of these different OEs uh, as to the like predictive diagnostics piece of where this is all going. Again, you kind of touched with John on on this, you know, how the technology is growing in in this uh, field. It's it's amazing in these trucks. You know, when I started, you know, I've been here 14 years, and just from where it started and how fast it's grown, it's. I mean, these trucks can tell you when a bulb is about to burn out. Like you, you can you can see Amazing. that level of detail. Now it's how you leverage that information and put it in the hands of your people to be ahead of the game and go, hey, I can send a mess as soon as this fault happens. I can send a message to the driver say, hey, your headlight bulb is going out. Um, we don't have to wait for a pre-trip and post-trip. We can give them that information. Um, again, understanding code sequencing is one of those things where you see a problem before it happens. This predictive diagnostic piece is huge, and it's mm. where I get really excited to see. I don't want to deal with a broke down piece of equipment and a broke down driver 
sitting somewhere, I want to know, hey, in five hours, that thing's going to derate to five miles an hour because it's got an emissions issue. Well, now I can make a plan. I yeah. can get it somewhere to get it taken care of. DPF needs cleaning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Everyone's terrified <laughs> of that. It's, it's <laughs> no. really, again, as we evolve with that technology, we understand it better. Yeah. And we can make it more of a, again, uh, like changing a filter kind of thing. Make it simple. And not be so afraid of it, not be, oh, we can't get parts, and it's going to be days down. Yeah. No, we, we can get ahead of it and make a plan. A big part of uh, the maintenance job, I would guess, has to do with training the drivers on what they need to be looking for, even though you have the data here in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have them as your first line of defense out there, and how do you prepare them for that? Yeah, I mean, there's the biggest thing we can do is educate. Right. And uh, with the amount of technology we have and and being able to FaceTime or Zoom with a driver and say, okay, you know, what are you experiencing? Okay, this is what I see going through the computer. Well, this is what the truck thinks is wrong. They can tell me what they're seeing or experiencing. We can be kind of in that hip pocket. We can be there with them and take a knowledgeable person and say, hey, okay, this is what you're seeing. This is what you're looking for. Um, And again, the education piece is just huge and uh, really uh, an exciting part of it. You're, you're always teaching out there, and I, I love that. Well, Chris, uh, we're real short on time. Uh, it's great meeting you. Uh, you're an Army guy, so yes. I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you very and much. And great to hear about the uh, great maintenance department that you guys have here, and keep up the good work. In this next segment, Casey's going to be speaking to the man himself, Rick Rail, about the current state of the industry. We are back talking with the good folks from Rail Transportation. Tim Norland is my host, and also sitting down now with us is Rick Rail. Rick is the CEO of Rail Transportation. Rick, great to see you again. How you doing? Great. I'm glad to see you again. Yeah. It w- did we do a show in Nashville? In Nashville. Yeah. Years yeah. ago. Yeah. It's been that long. What was that? Five Co- years ago, Tim? A couple years ago. Two was or three. Yeah. 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 Now well, I'm in it your- was before COVID, okay. I believe. Right. Pre-COVID, yep. yeah. Well, now I'm on your home turf. <laughs> How about <Well>. that? <laughs> great. So, great to see you. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful to see you. And your name is on the door. Uh, and, and look at what you built. This is, this is an amazing complex. I, I haven't been at a trucking company in a long time uh, like this. It's got everything that somebody needs. You got training, you got maintenance, you got dispatch and support. Uh, it, it's a wonderful place, so good job. Well, it's nice to have everything together when you're working on trucks and developing drivers and uh, putting process together to make things work. So it's good to have a, everything you need. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you miss driving? Oh, absolutely. Some days, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's something that you got to get out. Um, I was telling Chris from maintenance about the smells, the smells of being in the maintenance department, <laughs> the diesel and the lubricants, and it just brings it back. And being in a truck, I'm sure, has a lot of that going on, too. When you get behind the wheel of that rig and, and you're driving it, it's something that's uh, uh, consuming almost. It gets in your It gets in your blood, I guess. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the the smells and the the environment and um, yeah, there's just a lot of great memories uh, when I did it every day. But uh, it's been uh, a couple of weeks since I've made a trip, but um, it's something I still love to do. Gotcha. Now I will say, when I got picked up from by Lucas yesterday, he was talking about uh, the fact that many times you will take a run to a new customer just to make sure that the drivers know what it's going to be like for the drivers who are servicing that account. So uh, that's pretty amazing that you will do that. I think that that's a really cool thing to do. Well, probably the majority of the trips I do is two other terminals, 
and you know talk with the maintenance people and other drivers you know but um it's been a little while since i've been to a customer especially a new customer but um you know it's certainly something i've done in the past mm-hmm. well uh, I, I tell you the uh, the business of trucking uh, you see a lot of people come in and they do it a couple three years and then they just they can't they can't make it work uh, you obviously have built something special here so can you talk a little bit about how you got started in trucking and share with listeners uh, your your story sure um i grew up in trucking my dad had a trucking business um, ever since he was in his 20s, I believe. You know, he, my dad actually learned how to drive um, because my grandfather had a sawmill and my dad would make deliveries of lumber around the state of Wisconsin, you know, pick up uh, stuff to bring back to the mill. And so um, when my grandpa got out of the sawmill business and then my dad bought a truck and started working for other sawmills and making those deliveries and you know, taking care of his customers. And so gradually built up a business. And there was a time he had a goal. He wanted to add one truck a year. And so he did that for several years. And so um, gradually got more involved with different customers that needed drive and service. And um, eventually w- later in, in the years was temp control. So, um, so just kept growing the business, uh, taking care of customers. As a kid growing up uh, with your dad doing all this, could you not wait to become a trucker or is it something you didn't come into immediately? You went and did other things. When did you enter into the scene on this, uh, in, in this career? Well, I was, because we always were around the trucks, uh, working on them. Um, you know, I always wanted to be a driver, you know, when I was middle school, high school, you know, you work on them and, you know, talk to the drivers and, yeah. Uh, hear the stories, and so uh, my goal was I wanted to be a truck driver. So uh, yeah, eventually, when I was eighteen, uh, I finished high school. I I started driving for my dad. So pre CDL, yeah, it was a chauffeur's license. In chauffeur's Wisconsin license back then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you filled out a written test, and uh, <laughs> you were a chauffeur. Yeah, yeah. My how times have changed. It's, it's all different now, and I think we probably need more uh, stringent testing of folks getting in because uh, it's it's a dangerous world out there on the roadways. Oh, absolutely. There's more traffic, certainly. There's more speeds than there used to be. Sure. And so, yeah, there's just more risk, and it's it's more complicated than it had been back in the in the early days when I started but um, you know the equipment and the roads and the speeds and the other traffic are just so much different that um, there's so much you need to know and be aware of and you know it's hard to learn that stuff as you go indeed yeah um, plus you have a lot more of it uh, obviously you're not just a few trucks now you're a large fleet and you have a lot of moving parts and uh, it does present its own set of challenges, I'm sure, now that you have uh, gotten to a point where you're planning for a large fleet, uh, there are challenges, especially in today's freight market. Well, today's freight market is certainly different than 12 months ago, and mm-hmm. you know, even 18 months ago, it was much different again, but um, the challenges have changed, but um, it's you know still some things that we know how to work through, and we know how to weather the storm of, you know, the, the freight um, uh, balance being a little bit less now than the capacity to haul the freight. So we're adjusting, you know, big things we're doing is 
to trying to conserve our costs. And so make sure we don't overspend to deliver the service we need to for our customers. We were uh, speaking about AI a little bit earlier and how uh, analytics is playing a big part in that. Did you ever think when you were an 18-year-old kid getting into a truck that you'd ever be talking about artificial intelligence steering your company? No, not at all. Uh, it seemed uh, much more simpler back then. Uh, yeah, we had Star Wars. You know, maybe Star Wars is how it all got started. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it's really changed at, at a light speed pace. And uh, crazy to think about data and how much that's giving you the tools. Uh, just like Chris was saying, you can tell when a light bulb is getting ready to get burnt out uh, on a vehicle these days. It is truly amazing, and um, but is a lot more complexity too. So those tools are actually things that makes other parts of the business easier. What are you seeing um, from the customer relationships these days? Uh, I was uh, selling trucks back in 2006, 2007 timeframe, and it seemed like the Internet and the age of information was uh, putting a bit of a damper on customer loyalty. Um, do you see that there's still in trucking uh, a strong customer loyalty, or is that a thing in the past? It's certainly there. Um it seems like there's it's the number of customers that view that as a positive uh, might be diminishing some, but you know everyone has their own definition there. So about twelve months, eighteen months ago, you know there was many customers that really expressed a lot of loyalty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now there's fewer of those, sure. but um, so. It's still there, certainly, and uh, you know we align with those that see those benefits and see the 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 mutual benefit of you know having a successful partnership. But um, you know it's it's trying now with um, the market that we're in, and the, the biggest challenge we have is you know the oversupply of capacity to move the freight that's there, and you know the interest rates have have had a negative impact on the economy, although not not. Uh, like a recession yet, but mm -hmm. um, but it is changing the freight that moves and the demand that customers need to move freight. And so um, the capacity that built up through the boom years um, is still there and so still fighting for that little bit smaller demand piece. And so we're seeing, you know, pressure on the rates uh, move downward, but at the same time, we are still seeing all of our costs continue to escalate. Although not as fast as they did 12 months ago, but we still have inflation and we haven't gotten away from that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen um, a gas station yet uh, since I've been. And that's one of the things that I look at whenever I come into any new part of the country. It's like, uh, what, is, what is fuel selling for? Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, there are a lot of challenges that exist in the trucking community that people take advantage of. And uh, one of those has to be being right-sized. Uh, you talk about being overcapacity in a certain area. So um, we, we have to take a break real quickly, Rick, but we're going to bring you back. And I do want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe potential for growth in certain areas, uh, maybe downsizing other areas and how you're approaching uh, making sure you stay right size and you can take care of all your employees. We are talking from Marshfield, Wisconsin on this Wednesday Outer Route. It's a big 10-4. Oh, and one more thing. I owe you a trivia question. I have not 
Are you okay? I ask you a trivia question. Sure. About Wisconsin. Sure. Are you from Wisconsin originally? Yes. Okay. So we're we're gonna make sure that we test your knowledge. This is Road Dog <laughs> Live Live from Rail Transportation Incorporated, and we'll be back on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio. In this next section, Kimberly Mace from our flatbed group will be joining Rick and Casey to talk about Rick's Trucking Hall of Fame induction, the future of rail and the flatbed area of rail. Welcome back to Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, Casey Phillips. We are live from Marshfield. Welcome back in to Road Dog Live. Great to be with you. Hope you guys are having a great run out there wherever today finds you. And we got a lot of work to do. Hanging out with me is Rick Rail, CEO of Rail Transportation. And also Kimberly Mace has joined us. She's the president of Flatbed. Guys, welcome back in. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to ask you trivia. I totally forgot whenever Rick sat down. We got some trivia questions for you. And Kimberly, uh, this is uh, in order for you to win a handy-dandy rail scratch pad. Rick, you don't have any of these, do you? <laughs> I don't, actually. No? no. All right. They See, they all come into your office and take them off your desk. That's what they do. Okay, here we go. Here's your question. Uh, this is for you, Kimberly. Okay. Wisconsin's a land of bratwurst, mm-hmm. if you didn't know. What town is known as the bratwurst capital of the world in Wisconsin? Johnsonville. No. New Orleans, you can't help. Did you already say it? I said Johnsonville. Milwaukee. Johnsonville, Milwaukee? No. Johnsonville is my first guess. (laughs) Milwaukee is my second guess. What's your third guess? Colby? No. (laughs) Uh, The bratwurst capital of the world is Sheboygan. Oh, is that man. even in Wisconsin? It yeah. is. Well, Johnsonville is uh, in Sheboygan. Johnsonville is oh, well. a, a brand. <laughs> it sounded like a town name to yeah, me. Yeah, it does. Well, it's a uh, bit, right? Okay, so, so I don't get the fancy pad. No, you don't. Oh man, we might have consolation pad okay. for you though. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Rick, this one's for you. Wisconsin is a contributor to cinema history. The creator of what many consider the greatest movie ever, Citizen Kane, did not hail from Hollywood. Uh, Where was Orson Welles born? Ooh, born. Hmm. Orson Welles is from Wisconsin. Where was he born? I'm going to guess Madison. Oh, so close. Kenosha. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> is it close? <laughs> I don't know where Madison is. Is it close to Kenosha? No. Here. Miles, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you guys are both losers. We're, <laughs> we're moving forward. Let's get into it. So uh, first of all, uh, Rick, I do want to state that you have been named a member of the Hall of Fame at the Wisconsin Motor Carrier Association. So I want to uh, say congratulations to you on that honor. Thank uh, you. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, that award is a uh, lifetime uh, a contribution to the trucking industry and so i really am grateful for the recognition and um you know it just probably a little early in my lifetime because i'm i don't feel i'm done contributing but uh, right but i really am uh flattered and uh really um you know proud of that recognition so well, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people might call that the pinnacle of their uh, careers, and obviously you have more to contribute. So uh, do you feel it uh, raises the bar on you personally? Like, now you got to do more. What's next? Yeah, to some degree, yeah. Yeah. And, KC, i got to tell you that uh, Rick's father, Everett, won that same award um, several years ago Oh, wow. As well. How so, about it? From father to son. But did Rick get it younger? 
Well, they changed the award. It used to be a giant trophy about five feet tall, okay. and uh, now it's down to a crystal truck. Uh. A little easier to transport. <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah. Does Dad have the big trophy? No, it was a traveling trophy at that time. Okay. So gotcha. the like winner the Stanley would... Cup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, before the break, uh, we were talking a little bit about how you, as uh, the, the owner of the company, uh, help position yourself for the future. And, and that means you got to take the data that you get and, and make some tough decisions. What, what do you think are some of the uh, ways you are going to continue to make rail um, the, the company that it needs to be in the future of trucking? Well, the biggest thing is right now we got to make it through this rough patch, and so just make sure we make good decisions, but but also build for the future, too. We're, we're still replacing our equipment, although we haven't replaced as much recently because we weren't able to get equipment. Um, so we are not on the pace or not on the schedule we normally would be, but we always have to make sure that we're equipped well for providing service to our customers. So we... We're still investing in training um, all of our people to support our customers, our drivers. Um, you know, they have to be at the top of their game, so we continue to do that. And I mentioned equipment, although trailers aren't that easy to come by at this point either, so we're not as aggressive or on schedule like we would be there. But we continue to invest in the ones we have to make sure they're always ready to go and, and service our customers. So, and. The other thing is just people, making sure we have the people that um, understand our business and know what we're doing right now and know how to position ourselves and our company and themselves for the, um, the future that will come. Well, uh, speaking of the people uh, that you have on your team, Kimberly Mace sitting down with us, president of Flatbed. Kimberly, great to have you and, and meet you. Thanks. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Flatbed. Uh, I know that uh, Rail does have a diverse offering uh, of carrier services, Flatbed being one of those. Uh, talk about your history, how you got here, and uh, what's it like being in Flatbed? Sure. Um, very exciting every day, I can tell you that. But I've been in trucking for a little bit over 20 years now, so I've uh, been in a few different companies, you know, mostly very large and so I like to joke I've seen the good the bad and the ugly until I found my home here at rail so when you say ugly does that mean Norlin he's in the good category for us so I do I have a pretty diverse trucking background um, I love it my my degree is actually in accounting and finance I never dreamed that uh, I would be in trucking someday but isn't it amazing it is you and never you know, knew you're gonna find yourself in trucking no but Rick I love did, it but yeah else. Rick did yeah Rick knew for sure that's my joke he's the only one that knew from, yeah, from birth that this is what it. he's gonna do but it really is it's a really fascinating um, industry and it's one to be proud of. I mean, it's so important. I think it's you know underappreciated um, and it's tough too. You know, when you think about it, you got to match the needs of the customer who have very strong demands, right? And the needs of our drivers who are part of our team to make sure that they're you know getting home on time and that we're meeting their needs in terms of getting them enough freight so they can make a good living. So trying to put those two together while also making money for the company, right? So we can continue going. That's really hard. It seems easy on paper, but it's really hard. And um, what's exciting, I think, here is we talked about data. We have such great data that helps us to make better decisions. Um, you ask about flatbed specifically, mm -hmm. and I would say that uh, I, I spent a lot of my career in the van world. I spent some in flatbed, a little bit in intermodal. But flatbed is definitely the most diverse. Um, we have multiple trailer types. So when we talk about flatbed, it you know could be a 48-foot flatbed. It could be a 53. It could be a step deck. It could be a curtain side. 
Um, it could be an RGN. So there's all kinds of different trailer types. So it's really very complex. Um, sure. And it's very interesting. It's also extremely hard work for our drivers, the guys and gals that have to haul that. They're generally securing. Sometimes there's heavy chains, big heavy tarps. And then they have to really understand how to secure that appropriately. So it's, uh, it's really much more difficult than most people understand. That's one of the things I love about it. There's a lot of challenges associated with uh, that. Of course. Well, one of the economic indicators that we look at uh, in today's economy is new starts and, and home building. Uh, and, and I do think that when I... Uh, when you have lumber products that have to move, it's always, well, not always, but uh, 99% is going to be on flatbed. Mm -hmm. So I equate the flatbed division uh, with the health of our economy. So so how are things looking for you guys today health-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think overall we're doing better than most. Um, we have seen a little bit of slowdown in some of the construction um, and also we're entering into the winter period. So okay. um, a lot of stuff will slow down during the winter periods. We also haul a lot of steel as well. So we really try to diversify our customer base and make sure we get a good mix of all different types of product so that we don't leave ourselves in a hole with anybody. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, overall we're trying to secure ourselves, make sure we have good, healthy freight to get through the winter, and we're looking forward to a good turnaround in Q1. Got you. All right. Well, um, I'm very uh, interested to learn more about the flatbed. Um, so when it gets to those winter months and the drivers, uh, Tim, are there uh, opportunities for them to maybe move into a, a different division if things slow down and they, they can transition into flatbed or run a reefer? Uh, how does that work? We have done that in the past, and, you know, some drivers, uh, they don't like to chain and secure loads and tarp loads <laughs> in the winter and we have had a little movement in the past but we by and, all, by and large we keep them pretty busy in in the flatbed division you know but our diverse mix you know we have a lot of different opportunities for, for drivers sure. like eric wilson had said earlier you know maybe drivers got a, a change we can we can meet that driver's needs somewhere within our our diverse offerings Amen. Well, uh, we got to take a break. Kimberly, great to meet you. Uh, Rick, great having you on as well. Good seeing you again. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, right back into the conversation. We are live from Marshfield, Wisconsin, and uh, talking a little bit about rail transportation. Would love to have you guys jump into it as well. Find out more at rail.jobs. That's R-O-E-H-L dot jobs or R-A-I-L dot jobs. Find out more about what it means to be a team member here at Rail Transportation. We'll be back on Sirius XM's Road Dog Truckin' Radio. In this next section, Casey and Sarah Yessa will talk about the benefits here at Team Rail. You're listening to Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, Casey Phillips. We are back, hour number two of Road Dog Live. I'm Casey, hanging out with you from Marshfield, Wisconsin, home of Rail Transport Incorporated. Is it Transport Incorporated or Transportation Incorporated? Transport. I've been saying that wrong, and Rick was in here, and I why didn't was you trying to me? kick you under the table, and I couldn't reach. <laughs> I yeah. looked like a Hoosier. Yeah. What am I going to do with myself? Anyway, we're back. Right now, we're joined by Sarah Yessa in benefits. Now, I know you get the joke. Yessa! <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All the time. I'm not even Got to do number two. Original. There. All right. So, we got trivia. This is the first Wednesday of the month, and on Road Dog Live, it's always the game day. And people were complaining last week that you're going to be a rail. You're not going to play the game day. So, we're playing game day today. Here is your trivia question. Um, what, where is the location of the factory that produces a brand of rectangular chocolate mint candies? 
It's called Andes. So where are they? Where's the factory that manufactures them? In Wisconsin. You got it. <laughs> All right. Oh, you win. awesome. <laughs> For bonus points, do you know the town? No idea. All right. It's Delvin? Delvin, yeah. Delvin. Delvin. Andes. Oh, now I know. Some of the best. Yeah. I go to certain restaurants just for the after-dinner mint. You know it? All right. Well, it's great to meet you. You are in benefits. Yes, I am. Uh, something that is very important whenever you're looking for a job. It's like, okay, what kind of benefits do I get? So you are probably the, the best person to talk to about coming to work for rail. Yes, yes. I eat, sleep, and dream benefits here at rail. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I wish that I could get my copays down to 20? <laughs> right? Or it's just panic. Like, I forget to look at something for someone. So <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I used to work in a carrier. I uh, worked in operations. And um, my insurance plan at that carrier was a one dollar annual premium oh and what that got me was it got me a insurance card and that was it my one dollar bought me that because i had twenty thousand out of pocket that was my deductible oh wow and and so that gave me insights uh, 20 years ago as to what is going on with trucking benefits it's becoming very very difficult to provide health care vision dental and so you guys got a tough road to hoe when it comes to putting together a package uh, to help drivers and incentivize them to come to work with rail so talk a little bit about uh, what you do what does the benefits package look like here at rail Yes. Yeah, so we, we, of course, have the traditional benefits. So we do offer medical insurance. We've got a couple of different plans. We've got a gold plan and a silver plan. One's going to have a higher premium with a lower, lower deductible, and the other one's going to be just the opposite of that. It's going to have those lower weekly premiums with the higher deductible. So we've got options for drivers for whatever is going to fit their need and their family's needs because we're going to allow them, you know, the opportunity to enroll themselves, their children, their spouse. So um, our medical plan is great. Um, and you also have an opportunity to save some money on your weekly premiums. Um, we really value preventive care here at Rail. We know it's important that you're seeing your doctor on a regular basis. That's going to prevent a lot of big issues from happening. Um, so we incentivize that. Um, so we offer a discount to our medical premiums on a weekly basis for employees that do complete that visit in the course of a year. So employees can save $5.50 per week if it's them and or them and their children on the plan, or up to $11 per week if they've got employee plus spouse or family coverage. Um, so there's opportunity to save money each week. Got you. Now, let me ask you, have you ever had an employee come in and say, hey, Sarah, I want the $20,000 deductible plan? <laughs> Anybody <laughs> ever ask you that? I can't say I've had that one yet. Okay. <laughs> you, but... It, it is something that is very, very difficult, and I understand my previous employer was just looking to save a dime, right? But when it comes to benefits, you really can't save a dime. You have to provide for your employees. You have to provide for your employees, and there's, there's a lot of things you can do just outside of offering medical insurance to help people get the most out of their benefits and, and give them the best plan that you possibly can. Health insurance, I mean, just the cost of health care, what's it? Inflation is like 7%, 9% annually just for health health coverage, mm -hmm. you know, what you're paying for when you go to the doctor. Um, but there's other things you can do. So we've got some cool things that we're doing at Rail um, to make our medical plan a, a good plan, an attractive plan, something that's really going to bring people in the door. Uh -huh. um, one of those things we just started last year, it's actually free physical therapy through a company called Doctors of Physical Therapy. Um, so they have locations in Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. And employees on the medical plan can go to one of those locations and have physical therapy services done at no cost. 
Uh, chiropractics. Is that something that you could do through that too, if uh, they want to? So <laughs> there's a fi- there's there's a difference between chiropractic chiropractics and physical therapy. Mm-hmm. But physical therapy treats a lot of the conditions that you go to a chiropractor for, mm-hmm. and they're providing you with the tools um, to help yourself moving forward. You're not going in more regularly to get adjusted or whatever it might be. They're giving you those exercises to do at home. Okay. Um, training. But what if your problem is not moving forward, but it's moving backwards? Do they help you with that too? <laughs> you said the problem's moving forward. Well, if you're one, yeah, the- any problem you've got, bone joint. You're I'm covered. kidding. I'm being sarcastic. No. Okay. Okay. So uh, the reason I say chiropractic is because I have back pain, mm-hmm. and a lot of drivers they got these issues that come from a highly sedentary lifestyle, right? Yeah. So uh, chiropractic is, some- is something that's worked for me. Yeah. I don't know because you know they're practitioners. You yeah, know, but it's covered under our health it's, yep. insurance. It is. It's covered yeah, under the medical plan. Okay. Yeah. It's just not, it's not covered at 100% like this physical therapy okay. program is. Yeah. So personally, if someone's got an issue with their back or a, a certain joint, my suggestion at rail would be go try physical therapy. Yeah, go, yeah. Try our no-cost option. See if that's going to work best for you and go from there. Has that been effective? Or do you see people taking advantage of that? Yeah. We do. We, we see multiple people. They've got new patients coming in monthly, um, and people are excited to use it, especially when they're not having to pay for it. I, I truly agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a lot of history dealing with service providers and dealing with insurance and the, the two of those sides of healthcare not jiving 100%. So, for instance, dental. Every time I go in and get a procedure done at my dentist, I they give me an estimate on what they've said that the insurance will cover, and then I do the procedure, I pay my copay, and then two weeks later I get a bill for $300, you know, whatever it is. So when that happens, I know a lot of times carriers or companies in general have difficulty intervening in that. Is that something that you engage in? Will you help oh, yeah. drivers deal with insurance companies? 100%. Consistently, I'll, I'll get questions on specific issues. My first, my first reference is, have you spoke with the insurance company. And sometimes let's just be honest, insurance companies don't talk in plain language and sometimes it's a bit convoluted. Um, so I, I'm more than happy to jump in um, and help explain it in a way that makes sense. And if something's not being done properly, we definitely address it. Got you. Do you, do you remember a specific example of uh, when somebody was uh, facing an obstinate insurance person and you stepped in and got it done? Well, I, just in the past week, I've had to send you know, our insurance, our medical insurance provider, uh, an issue that an employee was having regarding a prior authorization for services and just kind of getting the runaround and what they needed. So at least by intervening, I was able to get the individual what they needed specifically in order to have that prior authorization go through in plain language. Your doctor needs to make sure that your diagnosis is clearly listed. It's not on there. Gotcha. Um, And you can go from there. So when it comes to your world, obviously you're looking at what is happening to a lot of drivers. Um, What would you call the most most challenging condition that drivers are facing today? You know, just based on our plan, and we obviously don't see, I'm not accessing anybody's specific medical information, but as a you know, we see a lot of diabetes and a lot of hypertension. Mm -hmm. Um, And another great thing about being here at Rail is we have a free program to help address those conditions. So when we look at our medical plan data on an annual basis, we know those conditions that are impacting our teammates the most, and then we're able to come up with solutions to address them um, that are cost effective. So we work with a company called Omada, and they have diabetes and like pre-diabetes, so prevention type programming and hypertension programming um, to help you manage your conditions. 
Um, so that, that was implemented last year. We've got a, a large number of people that are utilizing the, that program. It's online, so it's convenient when you're over the road. Um, you've got a specific health coach you're working with that's able to address those issues and talk you through them. You're given um, free Wi-Fi devices depending on what what you're signed up for. So if you're being, oh, nice. yeah. So if you're like at the prevention program, you're going to get a scale because you're going to be watching your weight because if you have a higher weight, you know, that's a precursor to some of these more chronic conditions. Sure. Um, sure. So just another way we're in, improving our medical plan by offering a benefit to employees that'll help them address their medical issues at no cost to them. Got you. Okay. So uh, let's talk about onboarding of a new driver. You have somebody come in, they have a pre-existing condition. Uh, what's the company policy about drivers with pre-existing conditions? Do you have any issue with them getting onto your medical? Um, so from a medical plan perspective, so not from anything outside my realm of experience, which is the, the insurance, no, there's no pre-existing exclusions. Okay. If you want medical insurance through rail, you're going to be on the medical insurance plan through rail. And there's no condition there's no pre-existing condition. You're not going to be excluded if you've you know, had a heart attack or whatever that might be. Got you. Uh, I've been meaning to ask somebody about some of the uh, mental stability of some of your employees. Uh, is there anything in the mental health field? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, any, anything from them? Because trucking can be very trying, and we know oh, this. Sure. So therapies, um, getting with somebody who can help uh, drivers who may need somebody to talk to, yeah. do you offer that? You do. So we have Live Health Online. Um, so that's also for medical like visits, urgent care type visits. It's also got a behavioral health component, a mental health component. So you can be treated by a therapist or a psychiatrist virtually. So it's convenient. Uh, nice. You're on the road. Um, you can schedule those appointments. You can consistently have them. Um, and these are for employees that are on our medical plan. And once again, they have access to those services at no cost. You're not going to get a bill for seeing a therapist through Live Health Online. It is included as part of our medical plan. Fantastic. All right, Sarah, yes. Uh, anything else you want to add that we didn't cover? Uh, I do. If I just have a moment, sure. I, I will say in addition to that, we've also in the Wisconsin area got a nearsight clinic. Um, so employees on the medical plan in the Wisconsin area would have access to health insurance services, preventive care, primary care, urgent care services through our partner. Um, we've also got a free tobacco cessation program ah, for everybody, nice. yeah. um, financial wellness programming, an employee assistance program, and then employee wellness program, which is great. Um, our employee wellness coordinator, Tiana, is wonderful. She hosts challenges, gets everyone involved. You can win some really great prizes. We'll be giving away some tabletop Weber grills soon. Oh, nice. Um, so there's lots of good stuff happening. In you the know what I world. really would want to win is a rail scratch pad. Do you have any of those? Do <laughs> I don't, but I could probably track you some down like right here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Sarah Yessa. She is with Benefits and she's a benefits manager. Great to meet you. You as well. Thank you. All right. And good luck to you. Thanks. Bring all those sick drivers in because we need them, right? <laughs> yes. We're hanging out in Marshfield, Wisconsin. I'm KC. This is Wednesday, October the 4th. It's a Big Ten Four from Marshfield. We'll be back on Road Dog Trucking Radio. All right. In this last section here, KC and Tim Norland will be wrapping things up. This is Road Dog Live, broadcasting from the headquarters of Rail Transport in Marshfield, Wisconsin. And now, KC Phillips. I like that dramatic pause. And now, yeah, Casey Phillips. We are back. Hey, welcome back into Road Dog Live. I'm hanging out with Tim Norland, Vice President of Driver Employment at Rail Transport. It's a wonderful place, man. You guys should be very proud of what you got going on up here. Yeah, we think it's pretty special. I think our drivers even think it's pretty special too when they uh, when they come here. And you, you know, you made mention. You said, "Wow, everybody's so friendly here." It's like we don't know any other way to be than friendly. And it doesn't matter whether it's here in Marshfield mm -hmm. or at our Gary, Indiana location or our Conley, Georgia terminal or any of our facilities. You know, everybody's friendly. 
So when I was growing up in Indiana, everybody waved, everybody said hello. There was niceties uh, that you would experience when you walk past somebody. And uh, living in Nashville for 20 years, you lose that because people are locked in. You know, yep. they keep their eyes on the boat. They don't talk to anybody. There's not that nicety. And so coming up here, it's almost like, wait a minute. It's like I'm back in an a slice of old life where yeah. everybody's smiling, saying hello, even walking through the terminal. Uh, people are stopping what they're doing and say, hey, how you doing? You know, just engaging. And we need that healthy human connection. That's right. Absolutely, we do. So it's yeah. a throwback coming up here, man. It, yeah. it, it reminds me of what life was like as a kid. Yeah. I had uh, took Neil to a local watering hole last night and a uh, complete stranger to Neil and to me. Uh, it was on the news this morning. Bought us drinks. <laughs> <laughs> It was on the news. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim Norland sided with Neil Gollum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Marshfield, Wisconsin. In Marshfield, no. Nah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's great to uh, come up and see your home digs. Let's talk a little bit more about what you guys have going on. Uh, you have three different divisions. Yes. Yes. Refrigerated flatbed and, and general uh, freight and general drive and freight. Drive yes. and freight. Yeah. Uh, truckload less than truckload. Is it truckload? Full truckload. Got you. Full. Truckload. And uh, so we all we know that there are some capacity challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't have a chance to. Uh, talk with Rick uh, about what his forecast may be. But uh, as a member of the management team, do you have any information that you can share as far as how you in the management team at Rail are thinking about what today's current environment is and how long we're going to be here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First quarter. First quarter, we think things will turn back around. Because um, ATA was already... saying it was going to be second quarter of 2023. Yeah. Or third, yeah, and now yeah. we're okay. So yeah. it's kicking the stone down a road. We're we're seeing improvement in uh, dry van and refrigerated freight. You know, we're at that time of the year where you know, e even when the economy's bad, people are still going to buy Christmas gifts, right? So there's going to be spending there. Um, we're into the holiday season, yes. So we're going to be moving some some turkeys yeah, and some yeah. pumpkin pie and stuff like that and then you got all the bowl games so people are buying their chicken wings and their their uh, adult beverages etc mm -hmm. um so that'll keep our van and refrigerated group uh, pretty busy you know into into really into february and in february is when you know, you get into the what I call it the spring fling. All of a sudden, the home improvement stores oh, yeah. explode, and the the new lawnmowers are out, and everything for your lawn and garden, and uh, that that'll be a boost. And that's that's where we think probably February. There's going to be a time between probably you know Christmas and in early February. It might slow down again just a little bit. Sure. But, uh, no, we we we're prepping for the future. We're we're already making plans for 2024. What that's going to look like and we're we're gonna have to be nimble. We're gonna have to be able to yeah. pivot. Yeah. Um. You know, as as freight comes on, like I told you, you know, some areas of the country where freight hasn't been that great, we've kind of curtailed our recruiting there and just kept our fleet status quo. And other areas uh, where freight is improving, we're adding some drivers. So gotcha. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Christmas shopping um, craze and how that's gonna really take off. I know that I don't have to worry about it because I got rail swag and cheese. There you go. All of my family is getting cheese and rail swag. <laughs> So all good. We'll wrap it That's up. That's excellent. It'll be nice. Yeah. Uh, so with the uh, the forecasting, uh, obviously, uh, that means that there are going to be people looking over the fence. Are you utilizing the the data and seeing the trending points that uh, John was talking about through the use of AI? Are you are you using that to help you um, forecast that, or are there other indicators that are showing you that? 
we utilize any tool at our disposal. So yes, we are using that. Obviously, we're using industry data from ATA, from truckload carriers, um, et, et cetera. But uh, you know, we're we're also uh, using data from our customers. Hey, what's your future looking like? You know, what what do you anticipate? And kind of working back backwards, you know, into it. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're using everything. And there's you know there's a there's a little bit of the let's take this and throw it and see where it yeah, lands. Yeah. And factor that in as well. Sure. So, you know, there's a lot of collective knowledge here at Rail. A lot of people with a lot of years of history in trucking that have been through these freight cycles before. Gotcha. Um, you know, I've been in it 30. I think Kimberly said she's been doing it for 20-some years. Of course, Rick has his whole life. So we've all seen these cycles before, mm-hmm. and we're using our practical knowledge to, to, to factor into all the other data that we're receiving gotcha. as well. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about minimum qualifications for drivers. Uh, Absolutely. Rail.jobs, R-A-I-L.jobs, R-O-E-H-L.jobs is where people can find out more information. But yep. uh, let's talk a little bit about what your expectations are. Um, what is the minimum qualification that you're looking for in a driver? You know, uh, the, 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 uh, the basic over-the-road regional local driver, uh, 21 years of age, um, no CDL necessary. We do have a training program. It's an on-the-job training program. It's not a school. So employee from day one, and we put them through the the, the ringer out here in our course. We you saw got it. to see yeah. some of that today. Alley dock backing maneuver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had uh, we got a couple of really nice uh, simulators that we use, and we have those at all of our training facilities. Um, but uh, you know something really exciting. We're one of the carriers participating in the um, the pilot program for eighteen-year-old drivers. And really? uh, we've got one out there on the road right now with his trainer. Um, Four hundred hours of uh, of training time. Wow! So it's a that's uh, that's huge. It's a uh, you know that's probably an eight eight weeks with that trainer. Uh, and we've got a second one that just started a class here, local farm kids. So we're excited about that. You He's know? probably been on a tractor for a while, so he, yeah, he can he can drive that. Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, we're we're just uh, just a couple of drivers right now, just to see. We've got a lot of intrastate Wisconsin business also that we can put these folks in if we if you know if sure. we need to, sure. depending on how this pilot goes. But uh, yeah, general drivers, twenty one years of age. Um, Basically, hiring east of I-35, um, all the way out to the East Coast, um, a little bit in the Phoenix, Arizona area, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, obviously good spots for us. And uh, like I said earlier, our power lanes, the I-70, I-80, um, I-90 corridors across the, the, the upper uh, states. And through the Great Lakes, great areas for us. Gotcha. Uh, I, I know a lot of asset-based carriers have some rules about riders, uh, pets, smoking, those types of things. Um, what about policies that exist? Uh, mm-hmm. Give me the skinny on that. Yep, we allow uh, we allow a passenger. You got to be with us for 30 days before you can take a passenger. You can't take one from day one. We want to make sure that you're a safe, a good, safe driver. Um, before we uh, we put somebody else with you, obviously there's a rider insurance policy sure. that you have to take out very minimal cost. But uh, you know, a number of our drivers do take advantage of the rider program and have their spouse or a child or a relative ride with them, which is which is great. Um, we do have a pet policy. Um, uh, we have some limitations on that. Uh, it's one animal, Two certain minutes. breeds of dogs. 
we don't allow, but... Uh, they got to wear a diaper? Mm, no, they don't have to wear a diaper. <laughs> I was talking yeah. about Neil. Oh, yeah, uh, Neil does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so uh, people want their pets. Yes, uh, absolutely. And you have somebody coming in, you would hate to see them get disqualified because they have an animal that's not on the list. Right, so we talk about that up front. Yeah. Always do that. Yeah. Fish? Can they have fish? No, one dog or one cat. That is it. Dog or cat. Iguana? Snake? No. no. All right. No. We had a pigeon the other day. We had, uh, yeah. If somebody has a snake as a pet, you might not want them anyway. Yeah. No offense, snake owners. It's just not my thing. <laughs> well, uh, we're out of time, unfortunately. Right, uh, but great seeing you again. I know that we have lunch that we're going to go hit. We're going to have lunch. I'm, I'm taking see... you to the cheese oh. store, baby. I can't wait. Are there cows there? There are cows there. We're going to okay. go past a couple of working dairies. I mean, can I get out and milk one? Probably not. Okay. Guy, I would have to be up at four in the morning to do that. That's right. right. Yep. But anyway, it's uh, great hanging out with you, my friend. And uh, next time we're going to do it in the new studios. We were talking just a little bit on January 22nd of 2024. We will be in our new studios. So you guys need to plan a trip down to uh, come see us. Absolutely. We'll do that. That is Tim Norland, Vice President of Driver Employment with Rail Transport. Guys, uh, if you're looking for a good opportunity, oh, and I forgot to mention one thing. Um, there was a caller that called in uh, last week saying that he was so happy to hear that I was coming up here because he's a rail driver. Oh, awesome. And he loves working for your company. Don't remember the driver's name, but uh, the the testament, uh, the testimony that you get from drivers of your company is the most important sales that you could ever do. So Absolutely. You guys keep up the good work. Well, Thank you guys once again for listening to another episode of Keeping It Rail. Keep that shiny side up and that dirty side down. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there.